Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Financial Services Edition. This is Seth Green here today with Casey Smith, president of Wiser Wealth Management. Casey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time a little bit. You started the company in 2001. Why start Wiser Man- Wealth Management? You were already in the industry. <laughs> well, I left the, uh, the mean brokerage world for uh, fee-only financial planning. I was told that uh, fee-only, uh, fiduciary fee-only process would, or uh, a business model would be a, a fad, that it would quickly fade out and everything would return to uh, commissions as it should. Um, it was a little slow going at the beginning for sure. Um, in our local network guys like Clark Howard have been great in talking about fee only business models and, uh, people have uh, found us and we have found them over the last 20 years. All right. So before we talk about how that happened, let's talk about uh, what didn't work for you. Obviously, whoever told you that fee based and fiduciary was a fad turned out to be incorrect or it's a really long <laughs> fad. So right. how, uh, what, what, what weren't you happy with on the brokerage side that inspired you enough to start Wiser? Well, I, you know, starting out uh, in my early 20s, I was a little naive to the industry, uh, certainly. Uh, having um, uh, that one year under my belt of, of firsthand knowledge was uh, uh, very eye-opening. It, what happened was you, know, you meet someone, the ultimate goal was to sell the annuity. And then you work your way backwards from that. Uh, then, then we could do asset allocation or we could do other things. And that, that wasn't right. That's not the right way to conduct business. So I left, uh, but they liked me. So they, uh, they didn't try very hard, but, but it was very clear that, well, first of all, they said they could make me a manager. At 24 years old, you should be a manager of nothing. You need a mentor, <laughs> right, at 24. So we, um, I, I basically decided, you know, this isn't for me. Uh, but I had to sit out a year. I had a one year, no compete. Um, an attorney who, who told me, Hey, I'll give you some advice, but you, you can't afford me. Uh, so you don't, you know, no retainer, just George is a right to work state lay low for 12 months and then do your own thing. So I actually became an airline pilot during that time period. And I, uh, I was just the right place, right time. I, I did uh, local flying here near, near my office where, where I am now. And long story short, ended up flying for Atlantic Southeast Airlines, which became, which at the time was owned by Delta, which became ExpressJet owned by SkyWest, which uh, ironically this, this month uh, they shut down for good. COVID, COVID got them. 
Um, so I became the union 401k specialist with, with an ALPA uh, for, for my airline. And my passion for finance was still there, but I also grew up in an aviation family. So my passion for aviation was there as well. So I've got 7,000 hours of jet time under my belt, uh, retired from flying in 2014. Uh, our client base still is around 35% airline people and the rest are made up of mostly small business owners and, and your traditional retirees. So how have you grown over the last 19 years? How did you, uh, let's start with the airline pilots because obviously that's a rare underserved niche. So how did you, a lot of times when advisors switch from one profession to being financial services, and then they go back and try and recruit people from the old profession, it doesn't work very well because they saw them as a pilot or they saw them as a doctor. <laughs> they don't see them as an advisor and they wait it out to make sure they're going to stick around and then it doesn't happen, you know, it just doesn't work right. out. How is right. it that you were able to actually tap the niche that you used to be in? The airline industry <laughs> is so different. It, it's hard. It's hard to talk to outsiders and, and, and explain it. I, I always tell people, my my friend saw it. It's the best part time job in the world because, uh, especially when you're younger, because you have the energy uh, to go off and do something else. So a lot of the stuff that I did was we call them red eyes, backside of the clock flying. But in my twenties and my early thirties, I had the ability to. Uh, uh, the, the, to work all night, come home, uh, mow the lawn, cut down a few trees, save a baby from, uh, from drowning, uh, and then run into the office, meet with three or four clients, go back down the airport and do it again. Uh, in my 40s, um, you know, I'm having a hard time cutting the trees and mowing the lawn. So uh, it, I, had, I had to dial it back, uh, obviously, a few years ago. Um, but it, it's kind of a funny thing because being an airline pilot for most people, and this is not, this is not everybody, um, but most people, most pilots look at you and go, dude, what did you do wrong to get this job? Uh, the industry is kind of, they're kind of negative. Uh, they tend to look at things at a very pessimistic standpoint, which is probably good. You know, you always want to be thinking about the worst case scenarios in airline pilot. Um, but it, it, so, so at the parties, I was the pilot. At work, I was the financial guy. Uh, and it kind of got so bad that, that I, couldn't, I couldn't go and duty in at my computer or at the computer at the crew lounge, I have to go straight to the airplane because there'd be a line of people uh, waiting to talk to me. And I, I delayed a flight one time because I, I had to answer too many questions uh, about the 401k or, or, or whatever personal was going on in their life. And that's when I knew that, that, you know, this is, I love flying, but my passion is also really just helping people. Uh, and, and, and that's why I never transitioned to a major airline. Uh, I couldn't afford to, I couldn't afford to go back into training for three, four months and walk away from you know my job for 200 families. So it, for, for an airline person, I feel like it's different. Uh, other industries, I could see that. Uh, the guys I flew with, they had large real estate portfolios. Um, they, they, one guy ran a, uh, uh, like a metal fabrication company. Another guy ran a fencing company. Uh, so there are a lot of entrepreneurs that, that were also uh, had a passion for aviation. Flying big, expensive airplanes, we could probably never afford on our own. Okay, so you are absolutely right. I would have had, as an outsider, I would have had no idea about any of that. That is obviously a different niche than a stereotype. Hey, I was in X, Y, and Z and became an advisor and then nobody would talk to me. So you obviously <laughs> right. didn't, you didn't have that problem. You almost had the reverse, which is a great problem, now, a great challenge to have. Yeah, you almost got forced out of flying because so many pilots wanted to work with you. Right. I will say that there is a, there's a guy in our train department that, uh, that would, 
he would often very, uh, very much promote me when, when they had recurring uh, uh, ground school. And he, one of them told me, he said, well, if he's so good, why is he here? Like, why is he still a pilot? If he was so good, he, he wouldn't be a pilot. And I will say that when I left in 2014, we had a pretty big uh, uh, influx of additional aviation people at that time, because all of a sudden Casey made it. And it, it's just, it's funny, because from my standpoint, it's like, gosh, we have so far to go. <laughs> I never thought that going, retiring from aviation with a $50 million AUM company was making it. It was very much the beginning. Uh, yeah, and it's obviously things. a completely different perception <laughs> from the pilot's point of view <laughs> right? Than, than yours. All right. Okay, so you did, when did, you, so you retired full time, completely from financial plan, from flying for uh, six years ago, as we're recording this now. So that explains the pilot niche. How did the rest of the small business owners, how did the rest of the clients come about? Uh, a lot of it's just, Entrepreneurs finding entrepreneurs, uh, very much. Uh, in fact, I, I got off a phone with a guy right before this this call. Uh, very much entrepreneurs are trying to get put into boxes, and we're, we can't be put into boxes. It's uh, hey, you have to be maxing out the solo four hundred one k. You have to be doing these things, and but they also have things in their head of going, hey, I've got this other opportunity here that I need to be putting money aside for, and traditional advisors have a hard time. Uh, uh, getting them into their models or getting them into their, their planning boxes. So naturally, I've, I think I've just through my natural network have, have networked with other entrepreneurs that, that go, hey, this guy can think about things a little differently or he, he has a great uh, CPA connected with him. He has a great attorney, uh, M&A attorney that's connected with him. Um, so that, that's helped that niche. Other thing too is, is, is service. I spent a good amount of last year reading all the books I could on client service. And I found that we were doing a lot of things right. My favorite book was Danny Meyer, Setting the Table. Mm -hmm. uh, That's a great book. I, I actually flew to his restaurant with my daughter over Christmas just to see if it was real. And it, and oh, it was wow. awesome. It was awesome. I was like, man, this is, I left there. I'm like, I don't even know what just happened, but I'm so happy right now. <laughs> uh, it was a great, great experience. Um, and so I tried to bring as much of that back to my firm. I want people to leave here and go, I don't know what just happened, but that, that was a great meeting. Uh, and so we, we try to do those small touches and what happens is you kind of develop this fan club. So, so picture, we have the airline base, but then we have a couple of clients that are just really happy with us who happen to be line workers for our local EMC. So that became a, another niche where they just kept referring each other because of their great experience. So yeah, I don't have an experience. I have lots of experience as an airline person. I can relate. I can't really relate to working on a line and fixing right. stuff at three o'clock in the morning. Right. Uh, I can relate to hard work. Sure. <laughs> so, so that's, that was a big uh, reason why I stopped flying because they had an early buyout and we were meeting with six people a day. Wow. How many households are you serving now? And approximately, if you don't mind sharing, what's your level of AUM? Yeah. So we just passed through 125 million in AUM. Awesome. Uh, we, serve, we serve about 215 households. Uh, two years ago, that does not count our hourly households. So about two years ago, we started a process uh, of, of trying to market to families who don't have high AUM to say, hey, we're here to help you solve your needs. We charge $2.95 an hour uh, and, and we will we convert that into a fixed price so they don't feel like they're talking to an attorney. Right. And, and we uh, take them through the standard financial planning process that, that a $20 million client would have. And, you know, 
maybe without the extensive tax and estate. Right, 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 right. Uh, but the end result is they have a plan. And what we're finding is that they're returning year over year. So every year we get that phone call. We're going to proactively call them, but they're beating us recurring to Recurring revenue without recurring, without contractually AUM exactly. recurring fees. And, 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 and it's endless. It's well, that's a beautiful endless. thing. Awesome. Well, congratulations <laughs> with all the success you've achieved. What's your biggest challenge now to get to the next level? I think I've just come through the biggest challenge, which is team building. Um, about four years ago, I came in the office and realized, I read uh, uh, the author's name has just escaped me, The E-Myth Revisited. Yeah, Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber, thank you. After reading his book, I realized I, I had built the wrong team. I, I had taken the resources I had and kind of fit people in. Um, and what I've just completed was my tree, my organizational tree, and then finding the people that I wanted uh, to be on that tree. And we have uh, a world-class team. Uh, and then, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be adding to that. Uh, I used to think it was marketing and how do I keep growing? I've been very fortunate. Uh, we had a client that was at a very large, uh, company in marketing and PR. She works here half time, half the week, and she's a college professor now the other half of the week. And, and we have, we have, the world knows about us now. <laughs> so I'm not so worried about getting new clients as I am, uh, maintaining the quality as they come through the process. Absolutely. All right. So your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you do? Uh, you know, I tell people here that when they bury me in the ground, no one's going to write on my tombstone that I ran an efficient wealth management firm. So I have to be efficient in order to be, to give, deliver the quality that I want to give, but really it's about changing people's lives. Uh, that's what I'm most passionate about. Having a client come in with high net worth, that's great for um, the company. That's great for us. I'm excited to win them as, as a practitioner uh, and, and, and to be working with them, hopefully for the rest of their lives. We, ha we focus a lot on retention. So we have a 99% retention rate over the last that's five incredible. years. Uh, but I, I, I get most excited about those, those young couples that have $40,000 in credit card debt. They're paying 20%. And I say, I'm going to charge you for one hour. I want you to read this book by Dave Ramsey. Yeah, Money Makeover. Total Money Makeover. You read this Total Money Makeover book, you get super fired up about it. Then you come back, we'll be your mentors through this process. And I'll charge you the one hour once you're debt free. And wow. what's interesting is that's a great offer. That's a great offer. We it know, is, you know, that, pretty, you know that's a great awesome. offer, but very few people take me up on it because it take, it's painful and it takes a lot of work to do it. Uh, but I, I'd say over the last year, we have four families right now that are going through that process. And, awesome. and it, you know, as, as a practitioner, you should never have people leave your office feeling overwhelmed. So we take the same approach with them and do baby steps. So it's, hey, I want you to get, I disagree with the $1,000 thing. I mean, if you got three kids or, you know, two kids at home, yeah. $1,000 is gone like that. But I said, look, we're going to get your savings to $10,000. And then, you know, after this is after the debt's gone, then come back in. And this is how, these are ways I think you can get to $10,000 and call me. And so they, then they call and then we take them. So, okay, we got this, we got the savings. Let's go to this next step. So you give them small pieces. Yes. They're not saving for retirement. Yes. They're not saving for college yet, but you think if they leave overwhelmed with their head swimming, they're not going to, they're not, you're not going to make a difference in their lives and they're not coming back. Very true. Um, very unique. I love that you've got some 
irresistible offers in there and, and, and you're doing good work. Let's, uh, you mentioned, talk about the show. You have your own show. Talk about that. Yeah, we, we started a podcast, uh, more of as an, an experiment. Um, it's called the wiser round table and we, um, you know, <laughs> we started off with about five, one, five different ones talking about our, our values. Uh, we're, we're low cost indexers. We don't like active management. Uh, I think the cost of our portfolios right now is around seven bips. So I'd like to talk about, about uh, low cost investing. Um, and then you start running out of topics, right? So you start interviewing people. Uh, had Oren Checkmate Hudson on recently. Yeah, I know Oren. Uh, Oren was an awesome, awesome interview. Uh, playing golf with one of my uh, 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 golf buddies. And he's like, hey, I listened to that Oren podcast. And uh, yeah, we, we contacted him. We're going to make a donation. And oh, wow. I was like, oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, because that, that's partially what that was about, uh, you know, help, helping people make better decisions. Uh, we did, um, uh, we've done a series recently with an estate planner, which is, which is very interesting. But you know what the biggest show has been so far? Digital currency. Wow. Who would have thought? You, you, 700 downloads in a one week just off of digital currency. And I'm less passionate about digital currency. I was trying to more learn about it myself. Right. Uh, <laughs> Which is a great reason to do an interview because you get to learn really cool stuff from interesting people. That's right. That's right. Awesome. I know you've grown a lot through referrals over the years. How are you promoting that referral culture in, in, in the business? Well, it's very passive. So the idea is that we're going to service these clients as if they were the ones that sent our kids to private school. They're the reasons we get to go on vacation. Uh, they're the reasons we, we drive the car we have, or, or we have our paid off home, or, or we're almost paid off in our home. It's because of these clients that, that use our service. So we want to be a, a blessing to them as, a, as much as they're a blessing to us. And if you operate your business that way, we, we have goals. We, we, have, we have leading indicators and lagging indicators, just like all good firms have. But what I tell my guys and gals is when you sit in the meeting, none of that matters. When you sit in the meeting, the only thing that matters is how can I help this person? That, that's, that's how you grow a business is by helping people. Now, you have to be patient. There are time periods where you, maybe you don't grow. Uh, but it all comes back around eventually if you're doing the right, if you're doing the right thing. So the client referral program is not a sheet of paper. This is, I need to talk to five of your friends. <laughs> I, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, I had someone refer a nice lady who sells custom suits and uh, you can clear, it's clear I'm wearing the suit. Um, and, and after, after the end of the fitting, I bought one suit from her at the end of the fitting, she asked me for 10 people that might want a suit. Wow. And I was like, God, this is so uncomfortable. Like I, you know, I, I wrote, I wrote down five and then I immediately called him and said, dude, I'm so sorry that I did this. <laughs> so you don't want to be, you, you want to be natural about it. Um, and, and then obviously honing in on our, uh, for new clients that are looking for us who are in our network. Uh, Dana's done an excellent job with, with the website and, and reaching out. We, we basically have, have uh, and I'd love to meet him someday, uh, Donald Miller story brand. We, we have adopted the story brand 100% here at Wiser and telling our story. Uh, Dr. AJ uh, Peterson's book and I, uh, with Donald Miller, um, Marketing Made Simple. We, yeah. fully, we have fully implemented that here at our firm uh, and, and, and it, it just fits us naturally. Awesome. Well, Incredible story. What a journey you've been on. 
Can't wait to see where you go next. For our folks who are listening or watching and want to learn more about um, Wiser Wealth Management, where's the best place for us to send them? You can go to wiserinvestor.com or wiserwealthmanagement.com. And everyone's always welcome to email me at Casey, C-A-S-E-Y at wiserinvestor.com. Awesome. This has been Seth Green with Casey Smith of Wiser Investor. Casey, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We'll talk to you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.